We are definitely looking forward to a great night. Ha- uh, Halloween was awesome last night. We had a really good time. It was really a lot of fun. We had a chance to get out there and, and enjoy uh, just a chance to, to brighten up our day. We got to meet some new folks that maybe we would have never got to meet in our community. So thank you for making that happen. Again, your faithfulness allows us to continue to do our outreaches. And I know that Gina had also mentioned our Christmas Eve services. You know, Christmas isn't canceled. I don't know if you knew that or not, but it's not. And we're going to keep on uh, keeping on. But we do need your help. Uh, we want to make sure that we can get everybody in that wants to come. So please uh, take advantage of that and contact us in advance. We are going to have Florida snow on the patio as always, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, We're going to have some treats and all those things as well. Well, today we wrap up our series. We wrap up our series, Serpents and Doves, and then next week I start a new series called The Dragon and the Sea. And uh, it's really going to help us wrap our minds and hearts around the end times, wrap our minds and hearts around, give us a snapshot of just a little bit, uh, because especially in times like this in 2020, I think sometimes we can um, forget that this world is not our home and forget that prophecy is being fulfilled and has to be fulfilled before Jesus comes. So we're going to wrap our mind around that for a little bit of time. Normally it would be a Thanksgiving series, but I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for heaven. So uh, I'm thankful this place isn't my home, and I'm thankful that uh, we'll be able to one day see Jesus, and we won't have to worry about coronavirus or any of these other silly things that are happening. Um, so uh, so we're just, today we're, we're actually looking and wrapping up this series, Serpents and Doves, where we've really taken the time to say, how do we, as people, how do we, how do we bring correction and love to people outside of the church and inside of the church. How do, how do we treat one another? How do we help one another? How do we help one another, especially people who need to come to a place of repentance? How do we do that in a loving way? Because one of the most misquoted scriptures in the Bible is you can't judge me. And that's not true. They say you're not allowed to judge. Well, Jesus said multiple times, judge for yourselves. Judge between the, it's talking about right judgment versus wrong judgment. So, so please, if you keep misquoting the scripture, stop. Okay, stop. You know, it's, it's wrong. It's incorrect. It's not exegetically correct. Just stop it. Especially in the church. We're allowed to judge you. You're a part of God's kingdom. You're going to be judged by God. Trust me, you should rather be happy to be judged by me before you get judged by God. All right, And the only way we're judging you is by the scriptures and by what Jesus said. Jesus literally said, judge for yourselves between this and that. And usually the people who are saying don't judge me are usually the people who are doing something wrong. Serpents and doves, serpents and doves, serpents and doves, right? So trying to persuade other people that they need help, you can expect hostility immediately. Just what I just said a minute ago has already got some people not liking me instantly, just like that. All it takes is one moment. Who does he think he is? Immediately. Trust me, I know. I know humans. We are the most unpredictable creatures that God ever created. And I also know that I can be a hero and a zero in one sentence. I I live that every week. 
I got people who joined the, the Pastor Mike fan club and the Pastor Mike hate club all in the same week. One week, the president of the fan club. Next week, president of the hate club. Just like that. Trust me. I wish I was joking. But it's true as, I, I'm, it's true as I'm standing here. All I got to do is say no or bring correction. That's all I got to do. Don't have to do nothing else. And you can even do it biblically and lovingly and happily. Doesn't matter. So, so, so today, we're, we're talking about something and we're trying to help ourselves understand that you and I have to know our audience. Are you talking to Christians or non-Christians? Are you talking to believers or non-believers? Are you talking to atheists? Are you talking to agnostics? Are you talking to monotheists? Are you talking to polytheists? Who are you talking to? You see, when you understand that, when you understand your audience, you understand how to communicate. You see, in audience-centered speaking, getting to know your target audience is one of the most important tasks that you face. You have to know. Does your audience even believe in the Bible? Because as soon as you say, if you have a group of people that don't believe in the Bible and you say the Bible says, guess what they, you've already lost? Your audience. Immediately. Now, the unique aspect of that is that you have some people who say they believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in the Bible. Well, you can't believe in Jesus if you don't believe in the Bible because the only revelation of Jesus is from the Bible. I'm just talking common sense here, folks. I'm not even saying anything that's profound right now. And so when you think about this, you understand, I have to learn your values. I have to know what you value. I have to know your attitude. I have to know your belief, what you truly believe. Because I, I, I personally believe there's a lot of Christians who don't believe in hell. Because they believe everybody goes to heaven. So if they believe everybody goes to heaven, then there can't be a hell. If everybody goes to heaven. Now, just so happens that the thing that Jesus talked the most about was the afterlife. He talked about heaven and hell more than anything else in the Bible. Now, you won't hear that from preachers who are trying to get into your wallets. Instantly, the first thing they're going to tell you is the first, Jesus talked more about money than anything and they are lying through their teeth and they're taking advantage of you because they know you don't know the scriptures. Because if you knew the scriptures, you'd know that Jesus did not talk more about money than anything. He talked more about the kingdom of heaven and more about the afterlife than anything. And you would know that if you knew the scripture, but they know you don't know the scripture, so they want your money because they know that you want to buy yourself into heaven while they fly Learjets. And so we understand, I have to understand the audience, I have to anticipate, I have to plan, I have to know how you worship, who you worship, what you worship, and why you worship. See, this is what I have to know in order for me to understand. So when you're talking with your coworkers, your family, your friends, your neighbors, you have to understand all of these things. Because if you don't understand these things, you're not going to find the common ground. And so when we start to understand that, we have to be wise as serpents, yet harmless as doves. Humans are bent toward hero worship. We're bent toward hero worship. It's a fact. We put our politicians as high as they possibly can. It's the Trinity plus one. 
and you add your politician right there in the Trinity. Now, Trinity means three, but we're going to add four because it fits my theology. Right? We put our politicians there. We put our rock stars there. Right? We put our, 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 our actors and actresses there. We, we put our sports stars there. Don't we? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and Bron Bron. Right? That's what we do. Or for some of us, Jordan. Because Bron ain't trying to overcome Jordan, but everybody else thinks he did, right? So, and then, then we fight about that, and then we get so mad at each other, we don't even want to worship together because you say Bron, I say Jordan. Our media, our YouTubers, everybody. And then we follow and model our lives after them. I know people who've been chasing YouTube fame for so long, it's embarrassing. They chase YouTube fame. Not, not against YouTube. I love you, YouTube. We're on you right now. God bless you. But this just in, I ain't trying to get famous on YouTube. If I do, it's going to be a mistake. I'll probably fall off the stage, break my ankle, and then get a million views or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Say a cuss word, and then I'll be famous on YouTube, right? But the truth of the matter is, is we all have a bend toward worship. And did you know, I'm going to let you in on this, Christianity, we have our rock stars too. Oh yeah, Christianity, we got our rock star pastors, don't we? Oh yeah, we got our rock stars. Think about it, it's true. Ask their family members. You see, in 2020, we tend to think idols are statues or images or false gods, but the truth is our society is full of false gods and idols. We have the false god of security. We think that you can have enough money in the bank that you're secure. There ain't enough money in the bank for you to be secure because you're always going to want more. The truth of the matter is, is that the, the 12% of the world that is the poorest, they're the most generous. And that's fact. That's done by studies. That the 12% of the people who are the poorest in the world are more generous than the, than, than the, than the rich. Because you put zeros behind it and all of a sudden it matters more. That $10 that that single mom gives that she feels doesn't affect the thousand dollars that the other person can just write without even giving a thought. It's until you give when, that, when it hurts, then you realize who your God is. When you put that extra zero because it was God who gave you the ability to produce wealth. But, I ain't, but you didn't hear that from me because I ain't one to gossip. True story, right? The gods of wealth. Everybody chases after it. You'll, you'll sacrifice your family to be famous and have wealth. Then you turn around, you missed every ball game, you missed every dance recital, you missed everything, and then you turn around and wonder, you'll sacrifice your faith for wealth. I got to be open on Sunday. Beauty. 
Thank God for filters. I don't even know who half these people are anymore. I'm glad I don't even know how to use a filter. Because when y'all see me, y'all say, oh yeah, that's him for sure. Because I'm not lying to you. There are some people I'm like, come on now, that ain't you. You got so many filters. You've got more, you got filters on top of filters. Professional success. Think about it. Some of us, we have the, the false god of our race. False god of our gender. False god of sex. Think about it. Athletic achievement. All these different things are idols that we worship above God. So the question is, are we able to even recognize our idols anymore? Are we able to see them? And, and, and more importantly, are we distressed by them in our culture? Are we distressed by these idols in our culture? You see, Paul, Paul, he came to Athens, and when he walked in Athens, everywhere he looked, there were false gods everywhere. And the Bible says he was provoked in his spirit. He was distressed in his spirit because of what he saw. And it wasn't just what he saw from others, but it was what he saw in the synagogues and what he saw people who were claiming to be believers. A little bit of Jesus, a little bit of astrology. A little bit of Jesus, but I'm a Gemini. Come on, man, don't get me started on that again. If I hear one more Christian talk about karma, I'm going to lose my mind. It's reap so. It got ripped off. It's reap so. That's what it's called, reap so. So quit it with the karma. You reap what you sow. Somebody say that out loud, please. Every time I turn around, oh, it's karma. I don't believe in that. I believe in reap so. Karma ripped off the reap so principle, and it's going, karma's going to reap what it sowed. Let me check the stars. Let me check my horoscope today. See how the day is going to go. Please, a horoscope, I'll tell you what's horrible, is you trusting in somebody but God. See, that'll punch the devil right in the face. Not today, Satan. Not today. I'm already upset. I'm already upset today. So, so when we look at this and we think about this, here's Paul, and Paul's coming along and he's proclaiming the faith of Jesus, which is not popular. And he comes to Athens, and I want to read this from Acts chapter 17 to you, because I think you're going to be very uh, powerfully uh, inspired by this scripture. While, while, now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked. Everybody say provoked. provoked. Within him when he saw the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Paul was just looking for a crowd. He just, listen, I'll go to the synagogue, then I'll go downtown. Paul's just doing whatever it takes. And he says, some said some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also converse with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? I've been called that too. Others say he seems to be preaching of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus. What was he preaching? What was he preaching? I just want to make sure he was preaching Jesus because I know some of us ain't been preaching Jesus. We've been preaching everything but Jesus. I'm just going to let it set. 
We've been preaching everything but Jesus. So, so he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection, and they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, or you can say Areopagus, whichever one you like. But the truth of the matter is, is that notice this. These people, his, his message was so compelling, they brought him and took him to someplace else. They positioned him because his message was something different than culture. Are you being positioned because your message is something different than culture or do you have nothing new to say so you aren't getting brought to anybody because you're saying what everybody already said? And it says, may we, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. These people are now asking Paul, can you tell me what you're giving me? Can you tell me more about Jesus? Why, sure I can. And it says, for you bring some strange things to our ears, which we, uh, we wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Isn't that awesome? You're speaking powerfully about Jesus, and they say, I want you to explain a little bit more, because you're saying something that's pricking my heart, but my ears, I need to understand what you're saying to me. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time, uh, would spend their time in nothing except telling and hearing something new. So there were some people that was always looking for something new. And that's those people that are always looking for something new. You know those people. You know when the dude showed up with the secret. And then everybody said, oh, I got the secret. We ought to buy the book, the secret. The secret is they lying. You know how many Christians fell for the secret? They had the secret the whole time. Best kept secret known to man, and we look for a new secret. Whew. I wish they'd have been sure. Okay, that's it. That's a bad joke. Okay, I got to stop. And for those of you who don't know, deodorant, secret, sure. Okay. Okay, welcome to the party. I'm glad you're here now. All right. Okay. Not proud of myself for that one, by the way. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found on an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything, everybody say everything, in it being Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples made by man you know why because he lives in temple made by him and guess who knit you together in your mother's womb right it says nor is he served by human hands as though he needed something in other words you don't need to bring fruit to serve your God to keep him healthy because God is the one who allows you to produce fruit in your life Right? He says, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, he, uh, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God. Everybody say, seek God. It's always been God's intent for you to seek him. It's always been your intent and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Did you know that if you look for God, you'll find him? Amen. And if you can't see in the dark, you feel your way toward him and you will find him. The Bible says anybody who looks for me, you'll find me. He says, yes, he's actually not far from each one of us. 
Meaning that there's hope for you and hope for me. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said. Interesting, he quotes their own poets. And he says, I know your teachings. I understand your teachings. Let me reveal Jesus in your song. Let me reveal Jesus in your poem. Right? For, in, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by, uh, by the art and imagination of man. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind can conceive what God has in store for us. You think of the greatest arts, works of art on this planet, and they pale in comparison to God and most of them are just a copy of God's creation itself if you think about it the times of ignorance uh, the times of ignorance God overlooked but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed and has given a, and he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead speaking of Jesus now you have heard of the resurrection of the dead and some mock but others said we'll hear you again about this so Paul went out from their midst but some men joined him and believed everybody say believed among whom were also Dionysus the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. Notice there was immediate fruit from Paul sharing the gospel. Immediate fruit somebody believed right from the midst of this whole crowd. Somebody believed. Can I tell you not everybody's going to believe what you have to say because they ain't ready for it. Not everybody's going to believe what you have to say because they want something else more than they want God. So as we consider this and we look at this, you must consider your audience so that we can speak clearly, translating the gospel in a way that they can understand. So Paul understood his audience and he began to speak clearly, translating the gospel in a way they, they can understand. When he went to the Jews, he revealed Jesus in the Old Testament. When he went to the Greeks, he revealed Jesus in their poems. Because he knew that they understood, so he was translating the gospel. You and I translate the gospel to our co-workers, our family members, our friends in different ways, in ways that they can understand. Paul quotes those philosophers and he communicates his message of God and he finds a way to relate to them and he tailors his message to the philosophers not to, not to destroy their philosophy but instead to enhance their philosophy by showing them God in their philosophy. You see, this also knows that Paul was familiar with non-Christian writings. Did you know that there was one time I was a youth pastor and I wanted to teach my children about the false religions of the world and the parents tried to run me up out of the church. So I sat all the parents down and I said, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid that Jesus won't compare to your, these other false gods? Because I'm not. 
I said, are you really honestly afraid? These kids are, see some of them are seniors. They're going to be going into college and they're going to learn all these things and they're going to learn about these other false gods then or do you want them to be compared now to Jesus in a very fair assessment which included a test at the end of Sunday school? And did you know the Sunday school attendance was through the roof all the way through that series because kids wanted to know what other religions were and what they believed. And did you know not one kid walked away from Jesus Jesus not one because when you compare the real thing to counterfeit I wasn't so then the parents were like oh can we come I was like no you need to find somebody else to teach you they literally were like can we come nope no now all of a sudden you want to be in the class too no these kids aren't going to talk if you're in the class with them I need to know what's in their hearts and they don't need mommy and daddy's religion. They need to know why they believe what they believe. So when they go to those places, they'll be prepared and ready. And you know what we did? We took an honest to goodness look at each one of those holy books and each one of those things. And we went through each one of those. And every kid said, man, the one that makes the most sense is this one. I said, I'm never afraid to compare my Jesus to anybody. I told you, my God does not play well with other gods. If you leave your God and my God alone, when you come back, your God's missing his head and hands. That's just the way it is. You don't even have to like it. It just is how it is. I got scriptural, historical evidence that's what happens when you leave your God with my God. And so we start to understand this. And so, you know, uh, Tim, Pastor Tim Keller, a powerful, wonderful pastor in New York, uh, just a brilliant man. Um, he said, you need to enter a person's worldview and challenge that worldview and retell the story based on the gospel. We need to go in there and help people understand. We need to help people see. And so the question that you and I have is, how do we share the good news with everyone? Well, you share the good news with everyone differently because different people are going to hear. Some people came from a very difficult, ugly, religious background, and they don't want anything to do with the church or God. Because they grew up in just a ridiculously stringent and the parents weren't even living the gospel. And they don't want nothing to do with God or religion because they know that their parents weren't living it. You don't think it matters if you're living it? Think about it. So the first thing that I see is that we must be compelled by compassion to share the good news of Jesus. We've got to be compelled. That's the first thing Paul did. He walks in and he said, man, I am provoked in my spirit that these people are lost without Jesus. They're, they're, they're afraid. Paul goes to Athens and he sees people trapped in empty religion, religion that wasn't working. He sees people trapped that are caught up in the pursuit of knowledge which people are still caught up in the pursuit of knowledge. He sees people worshiping things that they don't even understand. He sees all of these things. He sees people trapped in fear. They didn't want to offend a God, a God, because they didn't know there was only one God, so they had a statue to an unknown God, just in case. So if, if this God showed up, they could say, oh, we didn't offend you. They don't know they would have offended my God because the first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me, so we're already going to be upset. So when God shows up on the scene, he's already like, you done broke one and two. And don't make any images. So one and two are already broke. So we got problems. That's why you need Jesus. 
And again, there's the comparison. That's why you need Jesus. You already broke the first two. You need Jesus. And so he's compelled. He was compelled by compassion to help set these people free. And he couldn't keep quiet about Jesus. He knew he had to bring the gospel in a way that that, that they would understand. So he was led by the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit to use what God revealed around him. Sometimes you have to talk to some, if these are scientists, you need to talk scientifically to them. People are afraid that there's not enough science to prove God. There's more science to prove God than there is not to prove God. You, you don't know the surge principle if you don't understand that. The second, second rule of thermodynamics. You, I mean, you, there's so much There's so much evidence scientifically that there's God. But we say, oh, we better check our brains at the door because it's all faith. No, it's not. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist because of science. Just telling you. Atheists have a lot of faith. God bless atheists because they need a lot. Well, no one bless atheists. I don't know what to say. I'm joking, of course. I still want God to bless atheists, even if they don't believe in him. He still blesses them. By the way, he still does bless them because the sun rises and, and rain falls on their grass too. The second thing I want you to do is to understand we can't attack, but rather we need to acknowledge people's belief. We can't attack them. Whenever I sit down, I have a wonderful atheist young man, and he, he emails me all the time. He Facebooks me, uh, message me, and he'll say, uh, Pastor Mike, he calls me Pastor Mike, how cool is that? And he'll send me information and say, man, I saw this about faith and I thought you might like this. An atheist, a young man who's a proclaimed atheist said, hey, I respect you, I love you. Here, this is what I believe. This is, I thought this would help you. Now that's kind of awesome if you think about that. He wouldn't do it if I were a jerk. We've sat down and had wonderful conversations. Wonderful conversations about God. We can have those wonderful conversations. I have friends in so many different arenas that that we have to find a way to acknowledge the fact that, you know, I I respect his brilliance. The kid's brilliant. That's what's in his way of finding God is his brilliance, his pursuit of knowledge. And so what I have to do is look at his heroes and then help him see that his heroes are not exactly being honest. So we've had to look at guys like Richard Dawkins. We've had to look at these guys who were there uh, in, the, in, in the struggle. We've had to look at guys like Stephen Hawking. We've had to look at these guys and help them to understand and even know some of Stephen Hawkins, what some of his final conclusions were. We have to look at these things. But we wouldn't have them if I was just like, oh, you're dumb. You don't believe in God, a God, so you're dumb. No, now I can have a strong opinion. Sometimes I have fun with him and he has fun with me because we're going to have fun. But at the same time, he knows I'm not being ugly or attacking or he wouldn't send me this information. You see, Paul saw an opportunity afford, afforded him the, the chance because he saw an altar to an unknown God. So he said, ooh, that's my end. Ooh, that's my end. Now with atheists, my end is the surge principle. With atheists, my, my end is, is, is all of the science that we can sit down and talk about together. You see, this is where I start to realize, oh, yeah, 
this is where we can have these conversations. The Big Bang Theory, we can have these conversations. And, and so, again, this is, this is the beauty of, of these conversations. And so we start to understand Paul looked for the important truth and he understood that everybody worships something. And unfortunately, and fortunately, we understand most of the time with atheists what they worship, which is knowledge. They worship knowledge. They're some of the most brilliant people in the world. And some people who are proclaimed atheists are atheists because of the way they were maybe treated by Christians. Some of them are, are, are atheists because of the way the life hasn't worked out the way they thought it should. And so some of them had a tragedy happen in their life. Some of them were abused. There's a lot of different reasons, but we'll never get to those if we're ugly about it. Some people are agnostic. Some people are deists. Some people are polytheists. Then you got the Baha'i religion that says, hey, man, let's throw it all together. Why you got to hate? I like Jesus. I'm just going to add Jesus to my pantheon of gods. I got Jesus and this one and that one and this one and that one. I got plenty of gods. Jesus, plenty of room for Jesus here. Why is there no room for my gods on yours? Because there isn't. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you really believe that he is God, then you can't believe that there's any other gods before you. So, so it helps them to understand that. So uh, uh, um, uh, writer uh, Dalla, uh, da David Foster, Foster Wallace said this, there's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice is we get to decide what we worship. We all worship something. We all worship something. You can't shut worship off. You're going to worship someone or something. Everybody worships. And Paul pointed out their faithfulness to their religion, didn't he? He said, you know what, guys? I see that you're religious. That's pretty interesting. That's pretty awesome. I see that you're religious. And that's what Paul says to them. He says, I perceive that in every way you're very religious. That's good. Can, can I talk to you about that? And he begins to unpack because he understands his audience. And what happens? His, his argument is so compelling that they bring him to the rest of their friends. They say, you got to hear this guy. You got to hear this guy. You need to come to my small group because I got some stuff that I need to drop on you. It's powerful. And then what happens is he quotes the philosophers and reveals God and the gospel. And in verse 34, it tells us that some believed. And Paul's presentation was so compelling that they said, I want you to come back. In verse 32, they said, we need you to come back because we want to hear more about this. You and I are not going to get invited back to the conversation if we're not loving in the way we present it. That's why these, this young man, he and I can sit down whenever he wants to, and whenever I want to, we can sit down together. He hugs me whenever he sees me. Of course, not in the COVID days, but in, in other days, he hugs me. We're friends. We wouldn't be that way if, if he was ugly to me or I was ugly to him. And so Paul, the same thing. Paul gets invited. And so the final thing that you and I need to not lose, though, listen to me, don't lose this. Don't lose this. Did I mention don't lose this? We must faithfully share the good news. The results are up to God. You must never give an inch when it comes to Jesus. It's Jesus all the time. It's all about Jesus because it's always been about Jesus. It's always going to be about Jesus. You cannot concede the incarnation. 
You cannot concede the virgin birth. You cannot concede that he's the son of God. You cannot concede the, the resurrection. It's Jesus and it's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. You can't concede that he's one of God's sons. He is the one and only begotten son of God. So you must not, in your desire to love people, love them out of heaven. Because there's only one way. Paul's proclamation culminates in the resurrection of Jesus and it causes people to sneer. Things were going great until he mentions the resurrection and then they said, who's this idiot? Who's this babbler? Right? And some sneer, but others became curious and others believe. Sometimes you're going to present the gospel and some it's going to fall and your pearls are going to fall before swine. And sometimes some of those seeds are going to fall on good soil and they're going to produce and some of those seeds are going to fall on shallow soil and as soon as the cares of this world come up, it's going to choke it right out. But it doesn't mean that you and I can't be gentle yet firm in our speech in order to persuade people about the gospel. Listen, if it's easy for me to get you to renounce Jesus, then you don't love Jesus and you ain't serving Jesus and I, ain't, I don't want to serve a God that you're not willing to die for. Everybody says, I'm willing to die for Jesus, man. I'll take a bullet for Jesus. Will you live for him and die daily? You see, because dying is what it's all about. We die daily. The Bible says we die daily. I now, I, I am dead. Jesus is alive. This is what Paul says. I'm crucified with Christ and yet I live. So you say you're willing to die for him, but are you willing to die a slow death? The same way with husbands when it says you're supposed to love your wife and lay your life down for them. And then you talk all that noise about, I'll take a bullet for her if it was between me and her. And, you know, and that's great. Congratulations. So my question to you is, will you die daily for her? Because that's what Jesus did for us. And that's what Jesus did so that you and I would see the model. He gave his all. So you say you're willing to die for your wife, but are you willing to love your wife the way Christ loved the church and gave his life for her? Are you willing to give your life day by day? And it's the same thing for God. Same way with God. And so, so, so if you can easily be swayed from Jesus, you don't know Jesus, you don't love Jesus, and you don't believe in Jesus. I know that hurts, but it just is what it is, church. So you have to think about this. The burden was not on Paul to save the listener's soul. And it's not up to us to save the listener's soul. The rest of the work is up to the Holy Spirit. This morning, here's what I know. I am preaching the good news about Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he died on a cross for your sin, that he was resurrected, that he defeated Satan's sin and death. All that is out there clear for you to decide if you believe that or not. It's not my job. Whether you choose to believe via YouTube, via Facebook, whether you choose to go on YouTube and write every kind of, of, uh, of possible scenario that doesn't work, whatever you choose to do, it doesn't matter. The work of the Holy Spirit is His, not mine. My job is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. My job is to tell you that he was perfect. My job is to tell you that he is alive. You have to decide if you believe that or not. 
And so knowing my audience and understanding my audience wherever I sit, if I sit with believers or unbelievers, if I sit with atheists or agnostics, wherever I sit, I want to understand my audience. I want to be wise as a serpent yet harmless as a dove because I want to be invited to their party, even though I don't like parties. Everybody who knows me knows I don't like parties. I don't like being around all kinds of people. It's weird, but it's true. I don't like it. It's just, you know, my wife's always like, we got to do this. I'm like, ow. My BFF, my BFF, one time we were going to the zoo. It was just, this is just when we were becoming BFFs. It was me, my wife, and my BFF. We get to the zoo and there's 25 other people. I was like, who invited all these people? And, of course, I was like, who invited all these people? You know I don't like to be around crowds. He's like, well, I invited him, and then he invited them, and then they invited them, and it turned into a party. I hate you. <laughs> now i got to entertain all these people. I have to talk to people. I don't want to do that. I got to have those. Can I talk to you over here? No, over here. No, over here. I got to have that. But I still go. So if you invite me someplace, don't invite a whole bunch of other people. And if you do tell me, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up with a reason why I can't go. I'll make it a true reason, too. I won't lie to you. I'll just find something else to do and tell you I got plans. But the truth of the matter is, is when we go where people are, we just have to kind of understand what the circumstance is, what the situation is. Sit with people. Hear their stories. Hear their pain. Be provoked when you see them chasing after the wind. I watch some of our young people. It breaks my heart. I'm going to be a millionaire before I'm 30, and then they turn 30 and they're not a millionaire and their lives are over. I watch as they chase the wind. They throw their money away. They throw their money away. Oh, I'm going to be a famous this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this. And then when it doesn't work out, and you realize you have to have a real job and actually have a real responsibility and actually work for a living. Then it all goes to pot. I watch all the time. It's well-meaning people. They think they can... They think that they can do all the one another's without one another. I don't need church. I don't need Bible study. I don't need that. And then they find out that they're all alone and they're lonely and they're broken. They find out that when it's time for them to recall something from their mind, they haven't studied the Scripture, so it's not there. Amen. Amen. I find people that say, I tried Jesus, but He didn't work. No, you didn't work. I tried religion. I say, yeah, man, I tried religion too. I hate it, but I tried Jesus and he works all the time. I see people who say, I'm bored with my faith. Well, you, it's because you ain't doing nothing. You're so bored with your faith is because you compromise. 
Because you don't even know what you believe. I'm bored with my faith. I got bored with church. Well, that means you weren't doing nothing. You weren't serving anybody, loving anybody but yourself. And then you got tired of yourself. Today's the day to just hear my heart. Understand, man, I care enough about you to tell you the truth. And Jesus is always going to be more than enough for us. So if you find yourself in any of those categories, just simply repent. If you're in church or you have been in church or you haven't been, whatever, just repent and say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me. Give me the path. If you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus and you, you believe now that he is everything that I have said, all the Bible says you have to believe and receive him and you get to be called a child of God and then you live day by day, foot in front of the other day by day. And you're going to trip and you're going to fall and you're not going to be perfect, but you're going to be perfected. And anybody listening or anybody watching that wants to throw a stone at me because of this or that, that's great. I already told you I wasn't perfect, but I'm being perfected. But I'm better today than I was yesterday. I'm going to be better tomorrow than I am today. So you can say what you want about me. You can say what you think about me. But all I can do is determine if that is true or not. So today I just encourage you, put your hope in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus, and it'll never fail you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be here. Father, I just pray that you would help each one of us within the sound of my voice, whether they're on YouTube, Facebook, or here in this room. If they haven't confessed you as the Lord and Savior, if they don't know that in you we live and move and have our being, if they haven't renounced all other gods and declared you as the one and only true God, I pray right now where they're at that they'll take this decision seriously and say, Jesus, I believe in you. Right where you're at, you can proclaim that. Jesus, I believe in you. And Jesus, I receive that message. And through my belief in you and my receiving of that message, I repent and I choose to be a child of God. I no longer belong to this world. I belong to you. I am yours and you are mine. I give you my life. I give you everything I am and everything that I'm not. And I know that I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm being perfected. So Holy Spirit, come and live in me and work through me. I want you to come into this temple that was not made by human hands, but was knit together by you, God. And you knit me together in my mother's womb. And I choose to make myself a temple for you to dwell. It's in Jesus' name that I pray this prayer. And all God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Can you give the Lord a great hand clap this morning because you're a good God? Man, if you said that prayer, welcome to the kingdom. I'm excited for you, but I also warn you, you're going to have a spiritual battle on your hands because the closer you get to God, the, the, the more the fire gets turned up.